And we're live. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yes. Well, not not like Red's been Red's been talking to me about this because we, you know, uh, we have an intro thing that we do, right? And normally we like ramble for like five to ten minutes. And it's very different here because like there's four of us now, and one of them happens to be Robbie Eagle. So it sort of changes the dynamic of the discussion in some respects. Um, but what do you want to do, Red? Do you want to start with an intro or do you want me to ramble? Because I'm happy to do it. Uh, look, how about I just go in with the weird intro? I'm putting yes, that's what I want to do. Let's, let's break some ice. All righty then. Just when you thought we were done, we are officially back. And this could be the best episode ever. So strap on your backpack. It is time for the best happy lunch you've ever had. On the way for your commute, because guess what? We are not going to be mute. My name is the Ravishing Red Root. I am joined over yonder by the token war pimp himself, Dr. Dave Pruden. Hello. And as always, making the magic happen, he is the chocolate mouse himself, the king of his dog style, Dr. Julius Josh. Thanks, Red. Yeah. And we have a gigantic thing today. We have the sniper of the skies himself. We have Australia's own New Japan pro wrestler, Robbie Eagles. Hey, I, I thought I was going to be a doctor as well today. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'll call you Dr. Sky. I like that. Let's go with that. Doctor, that's a new nickname I'll put into the long intro that I do sometimes when I'm feeling extra special. Let's do it. That was the hardest intro I've ever had to do. Yeah, you can just see yeah. him looking sweating. He was just like, oh. Yeah, you smashed it, right? It's all oh, just one take too, which is very uncommon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Completely unusual. We are very fortunate here at WeWork Stiff uh, to be joined by Robbie Eagles. Uh, he reached out to us. Uh, we were very uh, happy. We were shocked, to be fair. We were shocked. We were like, oh, my God, what is happening? Um, but it's really lovely because, you know, as Australian New Japan Pro Wrestling fans, uh, there is a community of us out there. And to be uh, feel like we're somewhat connected to the broader Australian Pro Wrestling community is kind of nice. Uh, considering we're all from all around the country um so yeah so with robbie here now robbie obviously uh we are a new japan pro wrestling podcast but we're also like a new japan like story and character podcast right and so uh i was interested because with tamashi coming up we're very excited about that we've been talking about that and my thinking was like i i shared a uh after you won at Coliseum, you cut this promo and I shared it to the lads because I was very excited by it. I thought it was really great. Um, I, I, I'll be in all honesty with my cut. This will see. I go, I thought you had a tremendous use of the word fuck. I think the way you said it was very Australian. <laughs> Fucking, it was like, it just, you just like, it's like a, it's like a call. It's like that sounding call. It's like, oh, very Australian. Um, but there was such a, like a, a passion in that position that you were taking and for us you know like we're always looking at you know each wrestler and understanding uh, what's their motivation what drives them and i was like thinking like it's so much like you're like the flag bearer for like australian pro wrestling right like that's that's you're carrying this sort of position where it's like you're in this space within new japan pro wrestling i'm curious when you said about um what you you know it's time to sort of take over i'm curious where does this new japan tamashi uh 
brand? Where does that fit with this whole Australians taking over this space? I think it fits perfectly within the context of what I was speaking about because, um, you know, over the past, what, two or three years, mostly two during the pandemic, you've had something like New Japan Strong come to the fold and become its own brand. It's not just like a, a subsection of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's its its own identity, its own brand. So when you watch New Japan Strong, you kind of know when you're tuning in now what to expect. You're getting a bit of the the Japanese authenticity, but then you're also getting stuff that you wouldn't see in the Cerulean Blue in Japan in Corican Hall. You're getting, you know, um, Fred Rosser and Tom Lawler who are built on New Japan Strong. And I think that's pretty much what we're aiming to do with New Japan Tamashi is to create that for the other side of the world. So it's not just specific to Australia. Obviously, we're including New Zealand and the broader oceanic kind of uh, area. So I'd love to see uh, through my travels, I've been able to um, wrestle some of the Southeast Asian promotions and wrestlers. I'd love to see more of that kind of spill into Tamashi and this oceanic brand. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's part of the, the leading charge that I am that, that flag bearer or gatekeeper for of Australian pro wrestling, because I go to all different parts of the world to one end to the other. And the talent here in Australia is second to none. And I, actually legitimately mean that because I get to train and wrestle with them on a regular basis because unlike uh, you know, the people that go to somewhere like a WWE or an AEW, I don't have to relocate my whole life. I get to go to Japan, do my thing and then come back to Australia and bring those experiences and those learnings that I get abroad back here and then help that, I guess, upgrade and update the talent pool here and make them understand what the world is going to be like. So prepare them, I guess, is the best way to put it. But like so often when I go away and then come back and say, go back to training at the pro wrestling Academy in Sydney, everyone's already up the ante. And I'm like, shit, you guys are so much better. And I've only been gone three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Uh, so I think new Japan Tamashi is going to be one of those things that you look at as part of that big growth. And as part of I guess the broader the broader thing to look at it is making Australia a territory again because when it was on television here in Australia, it really was a territory that only the really big stars from places like the US and UK would come to because you've got Harley Race and Andre the Giant competing in Horton Pavilion and Festival Hall, but it wasn't filled out by heaps of other Americans. It was mostly Australian talent underneath the uh, the undercard. So that's kind of where I'd like to take Australian wrestling back to. And I think new Japan Tamashi is going to just be part of the whole equation. So that's part of the, the uh, identity that you want to create, right? Then that this is effectively this area's version of strong. So there'll be more than this as this isn't a one-off thing. This will be a continuing brand that will be built off yours and other main event guys. And then a bunch of local guys and, I mean, I like the idea of dudes from Southeast Asia coming over too, because I know nothing about that area as far as wrestling goes. Yeah, so I'd, I'd love for it to become what strong is in the States. Um, and, you know, we, we've had a recent event like Royal Quest, which is kind of more of a, a one-off big weekend of shows. Um, but with Rev Pro kind of taking that space in the UK, you might look at Rev Pro as the equivalent to New Japan Strong in that part of the world. So I think we're 
what the aim with New Japan Tamashi is, is exactly that, to create something not exactly like for like with New Japan Strong because it's going to have its own Australian, New Zealand flair and identity, but it's going to be some of the best from New Japan coming to our shores. I don't know what or how regularly it's going to be. I just know that the aim isn't just to stop with this one weekend in New Zealand and Sydney in November. It's to do more than that. And in fact, from what I've heard from the people in charge is the the aim. And it's pretty, it's a pretty big aim, but like, if you don't set a big goal, then, you know, what's the point? They want to grow the brand to be as big, if not bigger than New Japan in Japan. They want it to be bigger yeah. than New Japan Strong. They want it to be as big as it can possibly be. And I think that's the thing we've been missing in Australia and New Zealand for the longest amount of time. So yeah. does that then potentially mean that, I mean, I know you you run schools and you train a lot of guys. Is there, and then Filey's got his dojo over in New Zealand. Is there a potential sort of Australian version of a young boy dojo sort of here? Or I, I, I'd love that. I'd love that because... You know, it's no secret that uh, Australian and New Zealand independent wrestlers aren't living off independent wrestling. Um, they've got other jobs to fulfill their day-to-day needs of putting a roof over their heads and putting food on the table. Like, it's just, it's not a self-sustaining industry here yet, but that's that's part of the aim. You know, that's why it's really good to see PWA specifically working with New Japan Tamashi because the uh, the ideologies they both have are quite similar in the sense of, we shouldn't have to travel and move our lives to these other parts of the world in order just to make a full-time living with what we do better than a lot of these other places anyway, because the talent pool, you might say we have less wrestlers uh, than say the States and the UK or Mexico and Japan because our geographical location and because the size of our, our continents. But because of that, I think the talent in terms of like where they are is at a higher bar overall um, and we're hungrier, we're thirstier, we want it more. Um, I mean, I kind of tried to lead that with how hard I pushed myself to get a spot in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And not only that, like make achievements and win titles over there. So I'd love there to be an opportunity to have people training full time. And that's what they can now fully dedicate themselves to because much like I did before I signed with New Japan, I know what these guys are doing. They're dedicating themselves to pro wrestling, but there's the other part of their life that they're also, you know, shifting back and forth in terms of, is it 50, 50? Does it start leaning 60, 40 more towards pro wrestling or does it go the other way? And that's just life. It happens. And I've been there as well when, where real life kind of took over for a bit. Um, But wrestling's our passion. So that's what we put our heart and soul into literally as Tamashi translates to heart or soul, depending on how you look at it. So it's, uh, it's quite fitting that that's the name of the brand. And, you know, I, I just, uh, I can't wait to see what happens after this weekend because I think it's it's just day one. Um, mm. Looking at it now is there's so many different factors that could come to play. Um, but if you look at the rosters that are present, like majority of the undercard is other people that have spent time at the Farley Dojo that have done the tryouts here in Australia, you know, the New Zealand Young Lions themselves um, or just the top talent from across this country. Um mostly Sydney based because the first event is taking place in Sydney, but that's not to say that there won't be a new Japan Tamashi Perth event or a new Japan Tamashi Melbourne event in the future. Those are definitely things that can well and truly happen because the talent pools are there as well. Yeah. Wow. I'm interested. It is because it's, it's like when you talk about 
I mean, I always have these things of like the territory days, right? So like the discussion, because like my parents, like they knew of pro, like when we get into pro wrestling, like they have this idea of like, like Killer Kowalski, what it like, they have this like, because that's like what they used to watch on television. They tell us these stories. Oh, I used to watch this thing at like, you're like, okay, that's, that's great. My grandmother can touch the hand of Killer Kowalski. She's still yeah. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> but let's so see, hear these stories. Like at that, I'm like a young kid. So I'm like, it's, it's, it's different now. It's different. Um, now I, as I get older, I'm like, I'm much more appreciative of what, uh, what they got to see. But like the idea of that, that, that like, if it happened once, why can't it happen again? Um, and for me personally, like obviously we are very fortunate here in Australia as New Japan fans because we get to watch New Japan in prime time. Like we get, it's a very rare experience a, as a pro wrestling fan to be able to watch something live yeah. at a reasonable hour. And to me, it's always made sense that that pathway is there. And speaking of that, I was thinking about watching live and you mentioned it before, Rob, about like this, the time away and how people improve. So that brings me obviously to your time away right during the pandemic right so seven was it seven months away from this place yeah it was uh june till june 2021 till january 2022 wow so and in that time though that's the iconic run right so that's where the titles are won um and and to me that was a big part of like because as i said i'm not necessarily i don't know all of uh, independent pro wrestling Australia I watch shows and and what I've actually done is the reverse way like I watch PWA shows or MCW shows when there's a New Japan guy on it so it's like that sort of way to get back and and then you discover boys we go look and we're like oh that guy's great um and that happens a lot but what I'm interested in is like that camaraderie because I when you won that title I know that uh, Charlie Evans had a video of like herself like just losing it and it was like this sense of like when wrestling is hits that point where it's this it felt more than just a win for yourself even though it's an awesome achievement for yourself it felt like we all won that night and i'm interested in um like what you see as your role now in new japan where tamashi is and where you are what do you see as like you've done some pretty incredible things what's the what's the thing to where what's next yeah, I guess there's like two different ways I can look at it and answer that question. There's the uh, the selfish, what does Robbie want to do and what is his personal goals? Um, and to answer those pretty easily, like I need to win best of the super juniors. I need to make the finals for fuck's sake. Let's, let's just get there first and then see who's across the ring from me. And then I can decide if I'm going to win or not. Jesus, because <laughs> it's a fucking hard tournament, boys. I tell you that. And here's my... Aussie F words coming yeah. out. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Tremendous. Just uh, flows off the tongue, Robbie. Flows off the tongue. Just so you know, Robbie, we actually do a draft every year and we actually <laughs> drafted you. Uh, I think I did. Did I draft Robbie? I don't know. I had ELP, so I was, but I was cheering for you, Robbie. Don't worry. I was cheering for <laughs> no, you. I was cheering for you, mate. Well, <laughs> I was cheering for you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, best of the super juniors, that's been the the number one goal because that was kind of, did my first tour in the junior tag league with Ishimori. And then the next major thing for me was to be in best of super juniors. And I like, I showed out that first time in 2019 at a pretty good tournament. And I think I did way better than anyone anticipated because I was still, and this is kind of the stigma with Australia and New Zealand wrestling. And like, tell me if you guys understand where I'm coming from, but uh, you know, there were so many people that were like, huh, there's an Australian in best of super juniors. There's wrestling in Australia. And I've copped that for years. And like a lot of my colleagues and peers in this industry will tell you the same thing. Like 
I, I can remember very, very like uh, prominently being in a training school in New York and like talking to someone. And then they went, oh, wait, you're not from here. Where are you from? And I said, I'm from Australia. And they go, oh, fuck, there's wrestling in Australia. And I was like, come on, man. You've never heard of Nathan Jones. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest star that we've got. But no, in, in all seriousness, like there's been that stigma for ages that Australia and New Zealand has just been overlooked constantly, even when we do have people in the big leagues, I guess. Um, so it's all about bringing that awareness there. Um, so winning the best of the super juniors, I feel like will do that in turn. So it's a personal goal for me to make the finals, win the tournament, hold the trophy and have that accolade. And then I've pretty much kind of done everything in the junior division. So then it'd be looking elsewhere or, you know, maybe open weight is something that I'd like to put out there into the universe. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a cool idea. Mm. Um, but then that's, that ties into the, the goals that I have that I share with like-minded people like Mick Moretti, who, if you guys saw the announcement today is wrestling Taiji Ishimori in the main event at New Japan, Tamashi mm. Sydney, which is going to be incredible. Um, we've always had this motto underneath the both of us that are like, how can we do whatever we do overseas or whatever we do locally, but grow it more and help bring back more fans to live events, bring back more viewers on things like fight TV or whatever streaming platform, like independent wrestling TV and all that sort of jazz. We just want to use our stature as like a springboard for everybody else, because we know how hard it was when we were doing community halls in front of 50 people, man. I, I spoke about this recently. I wrestled in a Bunnings parking lot in front of, <laughs> in front of no people that came to watch. It was just the people going in and out of Bunnings. Did you, did you get a free snag? Yeah. Free snag. Is it not hot dog and a handshake, but like a snag and onion? Is that what I mean, happened? Te technically i did get paid in that but we were also running the sausage sizzles so oh, wow. it was just taking one off to the side whilst i was like giving other patrons their one so it was like double duty for us but um, well actually i'm pretty sure in australia there's probably a wrestling match going on right now in a bunnings <laughs> i mean i've been to my local plenty of times over the last couple of weeks and there's definitely some aggro people in a bunnings especially on a sunday yeah, shoot there's a shoot fight happening but yeah like i mean we we've come from those those darker days of where it was it was really hard to draw a crowd and we would like i mean for years for PWA, I would just go out and I'd smash flyers in letterbox drops. And I wasn't getting paid for that. I was doing it on my own time. Lucky I was only, you know, 20, 21 years old. I didn't really have much responsibility or shit going on in my life, but I must've done something like 15 to 20,000 flyer drops over a weekend. And you'd see an increase by like 10 people sometimes. And you're like, was it worth it? Like, of course uh, it was. That's what you're like, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, the 10 people, of Those course 10 it was. people. Yeah. Otherwise I would have been wrestling in front of five. So uh, <laughs> no, but like we just want to grow Australian and New Zealand wrestling to be yeah. a self-sustaining industry. Um, it's something that's been talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks. And that's very much where my speech at Coliseum came from was like, it was like a subtle thing. I think we were talking about, but I just wanted it to be very clear that that's where I want the direction to be yeah. for everyone. Like I hate, and it's good now because when I first started, it was very much, if you worked here, you couldn't work there. If you worked for this promoter, you had heat with this promoter kind of thing. So you kind of like cut your legs off before you could actually run. Like you were learning to crawl in pro wrestling and you'd start standing up to walk and then boom, your, your legs were cut out from underneath you from getting more opportunities because you worked one show for one person. Whereas now it's a bit more open, but I still think independent promotions in Australia aren't looking at the bigger picture. And that, that's where 
New Japan Tamashi comes in. That's where PWA with the like-mindedness comes in. That's where, you know, the, the top, the top companies, MCW as well, because we just worked with them recently for the Coliseum weekend. Um, it's, it's all about that bigger picture of let's not just do this on the weekend for X amount of dollars and a hot dog or whatever it is. We've got to get rid of that. Like I, I want people to be training, working, doing this. Like there's no reason why we can't have shows Thursday to Monday. It's kind of been proven by places like world series wrestling as well. They can do a tour from for four days straight and all the shows sell out across, you know, three to four different cities. Yeah. So there's a market here and there's wrestling fans chomping at the bit to see it. It's just how can we grow it and make it more in front of everyone's eyes, I guess. And that's what I hope New Japan Tamashi can accomplish. Would I be right in assuming that they're not necessarily conversations you're having with Jay White at the moment? <laughs> Yeah, my conversations with Jay White are few and far between. Probably the last time was at the Roundhouse in 2019. I do apologize, Robbie. I'm actually wearing Jay White shirt right now. That, that's okay. I just, just to let you know, before I go to bed at night, I watch ELP tapping out in Best of the Super Juniors. <laughs> and I watch my super kick to Jay White at the Roundhouse in 2019. And then I can oh. fall asleep quite easily. Sweet dreams. Yeah. That's it. Um, but I mean, that's, I mean, it's the point though. Like, like with Jay being the world, like New Zealander is the world. Like that's the thing about yeah, New Japan yeah. is like it's international wrestling Grand Prix. Like the eye, the eye is international. So yeah, and Jonah's the monster now. So yeah, so you've got yeah. these guys that are representing, and Aussie Open obviously are doing their thing. So it's this this diverse collection of talent. And I just think what sort of jumping off what you were saying before, like when you saw when Strong started, I can remember when Strong started, and there were there were it was basically a lot of California indie guys that I had never heard of uh including big teats who's now like honorary my boy big teats but like what i get frustrated by is you know people see an announcement and they don't know like and that's that's only fair like a lot of people don't know who many of these sort of talented wrestlers are and it's an opportunity for them to see it's just they don't give it the same um i feel like people probably don't give people the same latitude in terms of like if they're on strong and they're independent wrestler, well, they must be good because they've been picked to be on strong, right? There must be a, a good, but when it's here, it's like, well, these Australian guys, are they, are they up to that? So I think the opportunity is I'm, I'm really interested to see. Uh, and probably from your perspective too, as, as we head towards this show is like, who should we as fans that are trying to really get and identify local talent, who are the people that you expect to be the ones that are going to, show out that have the opportunity to show out and you have a feeling that they will just they'll do just that i mean can i just save the whole roster that's been announced for these tamashi yeah. shows like i mean basically um i've seen the new zealand dojo guys train before because i've spent some time at the Farley dojo it's no secret uh so i know how hard some of those boys have worked and like any of you guys that saw i think it was lion's Roar, the documentary yeah, yeah. series yeah showed like the shit that they went through like, you know, that was, that was a tough time for all of us. Cause that was pretty much in line with when I went away for the seven months that they got that second lockdown. And, you know, mm. some of the boys from Queensland who I've since met and done some shows with locally, um, they, they kind of, you know, didn't know where their futures were going. Like, are they stuck in New Zealand? Are they going back home? And I can tell you from personal experience, like uh, I did my first tour of Japan in 2012 for zero one. And that was, I did a tryout in Adelaide for the promotion that's now Wrestle Rampage. 
And there was nothing guaranteed. I was one of five people doing this tryout for a spot in Japan and I won. Um, I got told a couple of weeks later. And then a couple of weeks after that, I shipped off for three months as a 22 year old kid that had been wrestling for four years. Um, the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes, as much as the trip was great, I learned so much. I felt like that's exactly where I needed to be, like wrestling in Japan, wrestling in the pro leagues. Um, the light at the end of the tunnel of knowing I was coming home was something that got me through some of the bleaker days. So for some of those boys to go through that like lockdown period and not know where they're heading, I can only like fully sympathize with them and know how tough that must've been, especially if they have partners, wives, whatever it may be on the other side. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see where some of those New Zealand young lions have come. Cause I haven't seen them for quite a while now. I want to see, what I saw in the documentary, what I saw in person last time I saw them all training when I was there with them. And I want to see what they bring to the table. Lucky for me, I get to wrestle two of them at mm. the Sydney event. So I get to feel it firsthand. Um, but like, I mean, come on guys like the velocities, the yeah. Australia's greatest tag team. They had a, what a 4.5 star match with Aussie open um, who are another Australian tag team. So it's just crazy that like two Australian tag teams in the UK and Australia had these incredible matches that were ranked with the likes of Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega and all those sort of names that you would see in those star ratings. So the velocities are definitely guys that I would keep, keep my eye on for this Tamashi event in uh, Sydney. Um, their counterparts from Melbourne are interesting though. They're competing in New Zealand. So I think it's the, um, it's the Philippe, so Tom and Stevie Philippe. Oh, we saw them in uh, a show at Fentry Gully, the WSW show, which yep. you were at, I think. We would have seen both of those guys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're they're a great tag team, um, legitimate brothers that have come up in the sport together. And uh, I've seen their growth and they've spent time at the Farley Dojo. So I'm interested to see what they present for New Japan Tamashi as well, because you know, everyone's going to be bringing a different sort of flair or flavor to themselves mm. to, to not only stand out, but to, to make sure that they leave a lasting impression for not just us as the Aussies that are following it along, but also the, the international audience that may eventually see this um, specifically the office, you know, like everyone's looking for an opportunity and I, myself and Fale and Jay White, Hanare, Mikey, Shane, Jonah, all these people, Aussie Open now, are showing that there is a path for these people to take. So um, I expect those two tag teams to stand out. I already mentioned Bick Moretti, like he's going to have a banger with Ishimori. Um, I'm really interested to see what this alliance with Jack Bonser and Bad Luck Fale turns into and seeing him team with Kenta as well in Sydney is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering if Kent is going to be bringing books. Yeah, oh, he better be. I imagine it'll be one whole suitcase just full of his books. <laughs> we have a, we actually have a question there too, and it's off uh, another doctor. We we're a learned program here, Robbie. In case you you're wondering, we doctor audience of doctors, doctors everywhere. Uh, Doctor Jonathan at Jonathan Foy, he asked something about that book. Jack Bonds are getting uh, an opportunity with the Bullet Club. And off the back of that, I'm interested too, because that was the first sign for me, like, as I said, we're, we're, I'm driven by story and care. I'm always interested in like how these things connect, this sort of universe of this stuff. And a big, um, when we went to the Southern Showdown show where you wrestled Osprey and how that was, I, I thought that was such an important event because what it demonstrated was that New Japan was telling a story throughout the whole time and they were willing to place it in Australia, let it take place here 
where it would make the most sense so that when you're picking up the chair, none of us want you to use it, right? So like that made sense. I'm interested, this is the first sign of like, oh, there's a connective tissue here to the like the faction over there. So I'm curious in terms of the thoughts on the potential of wrestlers potentially being linked up with because there's Aussies in every faction. I mean, we we didn't LIJ Aussie. That's the only one, right? We, <laughs> yeah. Tetons in there now, so it's got to. It's I mean, eventually. If we if we had to brainstorm as a, as a group and collective of four of us now, it's always someone with a little bit of Mexican roots that ends up in LIJ, right? Like maybe yeah. besides Shingo, but Dragon Gate was kind of a Mexican company at one point yeah. when it was Toriumon, so you could kind yeah. of link it that way. So if you guys had to pick, who would be an Aussie that would fit into LIJ? I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, maybe caveman Ugg. I mean, they found they found dinosaurs in the desert in Mexico. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mick, I like Mick Moretti's got that that um, ungovernable like mentality. I'm like, he's finding a bit of face paint uh, weirdness. Doesn't mind standing on his Wait, head and neck. Forgive me, because I know nothing about this guy. There is a, there's a guy called Unsocial Jordan. That sounds pretty ungovernable to me. <laughs> I mean, I would knowing knowing Jordan and the type of introvert that he actually is, both in the ring and out of it, it would be amazing to see him interact with Naito. Oh. Like, it would be about who can not start the conversation. The Total longest. orcs, right? Just yeah, awkward yeah. everywhere. That'd yeah. be great. Good orcs. That's, That's what we want to see. But I do, I do like the idea of of Mick Moretti, him and uh, Hiromu. Oh, danger! Being across from each other or teaming would just be insanity in all in all ends of the spectrum. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. It's all about aesthetic. That's my thinking. Like, it just looks right. He just looked yeah. right. Like, to be fair, like I was having this chat today in a Discord. I'm like, when people were talking about this show, and I, I was looking for people that are PWA fans that were going to sort of give me some insight on some of these wrestlers. I'm like, they're like, and they brought up obviously the Velocities, who I have seen again, because like I said, it's those adjacent wrestlers like Aussie Open, uh, New Japan, like adjacent. So I watched them against Velocities, which was insane. Who do they see could like capture Corican? And it's like, yeah, Mick Moretti, like he does one of those head things and like you just know he's going to be popular, right? So I, that's obviously a, a huge match that we're like, I, I'm psyched for in the sense that Ishimori, uh, like, yeah, just, Get the pin right because Wrestle Kingdom Mick Moretti, like just bring it on. Like <laughs> it's, but it's like there's the opportunity. Obviously, there's some key singles matches and some people that have been given some key spots to be able to to really showcase that. And I also was curious, uh, Robbie, that you're in a tag match considering mm-hmm. the time of year that we that we're in, uh, Super Junior Tag League. Searching for a scoop, Robbie. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Obs- it's an observation. That's merely what it is. Just an observation. Uh, just getting ready. Obviously, and the velocities as well. They're like, there's, there's junior tags out there, right? That have, that have an opportunity to really showcase um, themselves as we head towards that season. That's a, that's a good observation to make. Um, uh, <laughs> I was, I was pleasantly surprised when the approach was for me to have that tag match with Matt Diamond because he's been my day one. We, um, you know, we backyard wrestled together. We came into pro wrestling together and we've basically been a tag team, like majority of our careers. Um, even when, you know, he had a point in time where he had a major injury where he was uh, on the shelf for four years. He took four years off completely from pro wrestling, 
came back and the motherfucker's so talented that he just looked like he hadn't missed a beat in those four years. So I'm always... Oh, don't hate those people. Go ahead. I mean, I love him, but I hate him every day. Constantly in great shape. Can just do stuff that no one else is possible of in the ring. So yeah, it's um the selfish part of me is really excited to see Matt Diamond show out at these Tamashi events, especially with with him by my side because that's I feel like we bring out the best in each other as a tag team. So the Lightspeed Express in Super Junior Tag League that's that's a really cool possibility. Um, you know, I I thought I was maybe leaning towards tagging with Yo, but it looks like he chose another partner recently in New York. So uh, that's off the table now. Um, maybe we uh, we restart the Flying Tigers though. Maybe that's something that comes up in the Junior Tag League. Uh, because uh, as much as I'd love to team with Diamond, he is coming off another injury. So going straight into Tamashi and then straight into his first tag league might not be the smartest play for us as a team to rack up the most points. So it might have to be another year down the line, but you kind of nailed it on the head. The velocities in the junior tag league would be incredible, incredible. Um, Them against TJ and Akira against the new LIJ team of Bushi and Titan uh, against Kanemaru and Despi or any combination. Maybe it's Kanemaru and Doki. We kind of don't know what the teams are going to be like until Maybe after November 5th, uh, we might get an announcement. Um, I just, I mean, I froth the idea anytime these people that have spent so much time training and wrestling with here locally get an opportunity to wrestle the guys that I tour with on a regular basis. I just want to see where they stack up. And I'm like, I know they'll be fine. I know they'll hold their own, but I want everyone else to realize that and then have that like eye-opening moment of like, who the fuck are these guys and why haven't I known about them before? And that's- that's like a cool feeling for me as an Aussie is to be like, well, we've been here the whole time. You've just kind of chosen to keep yourself shut and have the blinders on and just see this one thing. So if you want to like open your, like expand your horizon, it's pretty easy to find Australian wrestling, jump on the Mm -hmm. bandwagon now before it's too late. And wrestling fans love being the hipsters that like watch the, like, (laughs) I I've, I watched that, you know, like it's, like with Tamashi, like you're saying, people will see it. So obviously in time, I'm I'm assuming we're not, it's not a taping in this sense. Like we're not going to, or is it a taping? Is it something that we'll be making camera? I, I mean, knowing the Sydney crew that we have involved and knowing that it's like a PWA contingent helping out with the, the Sydney event, like I'm sure there's going to be at least a couple of cameras present and they're going <laughs> to yeah. record it. Yeah, uh, yeah. What happens with it from there? I, I don't have the knowledge on that uh, per se, but I mean, even if you look at the the early strong days, Royal Quest as an example as well, uh, it's definitely not a house show. It's not something that's just going to kind of get swept under the rug. There's going to yeah. be some sort of visual medium at some point. It might not be the full card. It might just be specific matches. Um, but either way, like I can guarantee that you're going to be able to get your eyes on it, even if you're not there in person. And because that's, that's going to be the key, isn't it, really? Because like to be able to see that. Yeah. If you want to build the brand. Yeah. yeah to build that brand and to convince people that this is something that they need to invest in and see, because as I said, for the crowd, it's going to be there. Like selfishly, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm we're front row. So it was like, we'll, we'll be like, <laughs> we get to see it. So I was like, yeah, this will be great. But like, but knowing that the opportunity is, is there to be able to like, I, as I said, I just looking for our bad dude, Tito. That's kind of my goal is like, I would love our own bad dude, Tito. There's only one bad dude, Tito, but I mean like the <laughs> idea of, uh, a cat like a just this person that had been working for a long time and hadn't sort of been seen 
got one opportunity and was able to sort of build and build and build. And now he's an honorary Aussie at this point. We've adopted him. Like he's in the mighty don't kneel. So like at this point, you know, like we'll take him. Um, I'm interested in that sort of those breakout people. And I think that um, like yourself, like you got an opportunity in that sort of with Ishimori in that tag league. It's like, I'm just looking for that person that might get that one tour or that one opportunity off the back of this. And it's, if we can see that, um, yeah, I think it can, change a lot of the perspectives uh, we have a question i'll go to another trust me we get more than just doctors listening to this, <laughs> this show but dr gary has asked dr gary p mariner asked about were we surprised by the lack of tmdk involvement with tamashi um so i'm interested are you surprised that the mighty don't kneel are not making appearance this time around I mean, I am just because of obviously you want the most Aussie representation possible, but at the same time, look at what you have had announced on the New Zealand and Australian cards. Like there's still plenty of it there. It's just not from TMDK. And, um, you know, I think it's no, it's no secret that Mikey's had another, uh, another baby recently. So he's been, you know, at home doing the dad stuff and he's, he's an amazing dad. Like I got to spend some time with him last year in Perth and we, we had a, we had a match in EPW, which I think was fantastic. Um, and so it was good to like fight him and then also hang out with him on the side. Cause at the, at that point in time, he was still chaos. Whereas <laughs> chaos now that, yeah, now that TMDK <laughs> is like its own thing in new Japan, yeah. I think he's definitely kind of, more well, he's, on he's, he's on the bridge at this point. He, he could be. He could be the connecting piece. Who knows? Is is yeah. TMDK the house of torture of chaos at this point? Who knows that's, what's happening? That's why it was really frustrating to watch Okada fight Jonah because I was like, "Fuck, who do I go for?" <laughs> <laughs> I was torn down the middle, but um, yeah, I think it, you know, it's just it's all about timing. Realistically, um, mm, yeah. Shane and Jonah are still abroad, uh, so that's one of the reasons why you wouldn't have seen them involved and then there's other members of tmdk but who knows what they're doing and when like they could be in this country out of this country uh you know slex could be on the next tamashi events he could show up as a guest who knows like anything could happen at these tamashi shows you never know See, that's what i'm sort of thinking is that that idea of that story of like well if they're not here but there's the story of like when they do arrive then especially if you've built this brand of young boys and built this brand of young talent that are establishing the brand. Cause that's what I really liked about strong, especially with like Tom Lawler of like, I am strong. Like this is, this is, yeah. I'm representing this brand. And when he was in the G1, like obviously he got a pop too, which is interesting. Like obviously people are watching Japanese crowd are watching strong. And, um, and he was saying when he was over there, people were saying, I saw you on strong and like, you're the strong guy. And there's a sort of a, a defense like it's we're protecting this brand this brand's really important to us and i like the idea i'm just you know i like the idea of you're building a brand here of tamashi of these australian and new zealand and pacifica talent coming in and building that brand and then the mighty don't kneel could be out there as like well we you know i'm not i'm not i'm just conspiracy putting out there but there's the reality <laughs> like they're there so it's like if they're able to come in they're like it's there's a natural tension there right so yeah that's always a good thing to look forward to rather than just have everything on the the first thing, I think. So um, that would be my thinking around the, I'm yeah, I would love to see Jonah. Like there's no doubt about that, but there's, but this is a, as I said, the idea of this being a different thing and being there for the beginning of this thing to me is the big selling point. That's the bit that I'm really uh, like to say that we were there when this thing started. 
mm-hmm. I think is a really key thing for fans that that uh, are passionate about New Japan Pro Wrestling and also passionate about Australian Pro Wrestling, I guess. Josh, can I ask like all of you guys a question? Um, how many of you went to any of the 2018 tour, the New Japan Fallout tour, the first time they came to Australia? Yeah, we went to the Melbourne show. Yeah, the Festival Hall show. Festival Hall, yeah. Right. So if you look back at that tour specifically, there was a very big TMDK representation on that mm. whole that whole tour. Basically, the whole group was on it. Yeah. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if they are a part of Tamashi at some point. It's just... Yeah. Again, timing. So yeah, for yeah. this one, it's based in Sydney. The logistics that are involved with putting these cards together and you know getting the, the Japanese contingent here and making sure everything's approved, dotted the I's, crossing the T's, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it, it's, it's all just timing. So I just think if we are patient, then we'll get what we're missing. It's just maybe not the first time around. But... It's so unpredictable because we haven't even had the first one yet. So we don't even know what it's going to look or feel like. So Yeah. And you get knows? to make that, right? Like that's the thing that all the people are there get to make that 100%. what it looks and feels like. So it's kind of exciting in that respect. So I'm, yeah, it's like, it's kind of timing's nice. The card was announced, like you're coming on tonight. It's like the cards announced this morning. Like, oh, that's, that's handy. <laughs> It's, it's also like I like, planned it or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Look, <laughs> look well, just I like, definitely I, didn't. I definitely yeah. didn't. Uh, well, I had like half of my questions were around like speculating. It's like, well, now there's no speculation. It's here now. <laughs> I know what it is. Because um, Red has a thing he likes to do. And okay. it's a he brings the structure. Now, as you can see, uh, if you just let Dave and I go, we're just going to talk and ramble and then somehow come back and then hopefully get to it. Red has the hard-hitting questions, right? I pull, I, I, pull, I pull them back in, Robbie. You'll notice I sort of hang back and then I make quick little quips here and there and that's it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like my thing. But there's a segment that we do a lot. It's called Hitting the Ropes. Now, Robbie, would you like to hit the ropes? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he has no idea what that means at this point. Unparalleled enthusiasm. <laughs> it's an it's an accurate level, I think. No I mean, worries. actually hitting the ropes, I'm quite numb to it now. But if I was a, a young lion learning to do that, that shit hurts as fuck. So it's like a <laughs> catch twenty two here. So, but let's go anyway, Red. It'll be equally painful. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, basically, uh, they're just like from my perspective of like being a fan and everything that I'd like to ask a, a wrestler. Uh, basically, last week we had the release of 15 years since WCW NWO Revenge, which was released on the Nintendo 64, which is the reason that I am into wrestling. So, Robbie, I am genuinely curious, what is the reason why you're into wrestling? What got you there? Uh, so, you know, the games were definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. The games are actually, that game specifically is why I have Ultimo Dragon hey, tattooed on my arm. Hey, hey. Because he was like the main guy that I would pick on that 64 game. Uh, I didn't, I had never seen him on WCW at that point, but I yeah. just thought he was the coolest guy in the game. So I, yeah, kind of have an, a, a, a big uh, idolization of Ultimo. But to tell you the, the story of how I got into wrestling is um, I changed schools. Uh, my sister had started high school and then we got invited to some friend's house of these guys that we, we're going to school with, but they also played in the same soccer league that I just started playing at. And I don't know what the plans were, but I walk into their living room and WCW bash at the beach is on. Mm. And I'm just like, this shit's wild. Mm. I was into Spider-Man and Power Rangers. And then I see 
psychosis and Rey Mysterio. And I'm just like, yep, I'm done. This is me. This is my thing now. It's because for me, it was like, I kind of knew what a boxing ring was. And I was trying to work out why the Power Rangers were fighting in a boxing ring. <laughs> I was like, it's like a Power Rangers fighting Spider-Man in a boxing ring. So it's fucking real. Uh, so that's where my mind went to. And uh, yeah, I was just hooked. So that was like grade three or four. I might, like would have been six or seven. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I told this story uh, recently that, uh, you know, in the fourth grade, we got told, draw yourself as what you want to do when you grow up. I basically drew myself on RVD's body uh, doing <laughs> the RVD hand taunt kind of thing. Um, the body proportions were definitely out of whack. Like the head was a lot smaller than the rest of the body. So I didn't grow up to be that exactly, but I did. They were the quads. They were the... Oh, I mean, I probably understated them versus how they are in real life. Um, that's probably where my proportioning went wrong, but. Is that why you got the short boys on now, Robbie? You've uh, the best of super juniors you brought out the short boys. I'm I'm a fan of facts. Yeah, yeah uh, so know, uh, I think I did hear you guys talking about the short boys on one of the episodes. Because I, I am a listener, <laughs> so always be careful about what oh, yeah, you say. Okay. That's strict as you know, this is. But yeah. <laughs> just to, I just want to give you some backstory. Those those new short boys that I got made right before Super Juniors, um, they were like finished the night before I flew out. And I was like, sweet. I didn't even try them on. I tried them on for the first time in my first match, which was a six-man tag against, uh, I think it was really Uter and some of the young Lions. And I was like, oh, these are really short. And <laughs> yeah, some of the measurements were a little bit off. So we got through that tour, but um, yeah, I mean, an off cuff comment that was made by Honma was that I had big thighs and that I should show them more. So I took his advice and oh, I just went back to my roots. The Honma aesthetic. He's, he's, that's what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, the ultimate body guy, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah. it's a, it's a main event. Look, Robbie, I'm telling you right now, once the, when the, they come out, the thighs come out, it's like, oh, it's on. That's why we, we, it was like the first thing, first thing Josh said was like, he looks like a main event. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, I'm a big believer in that. I just, I don't know. It's just, a, it's just an aesthetic thing. It's like, oh, he just looks, and it's also change. And there's always things, you know, when people change up their gear, there's, there's reasons for that and stuff. It's always interesting. I'm curious, does it make it easier to fly through the sky? The aerodynamics do come into play. Uh, it does make me slightly faster in certain maneuvers, uh, but it also makes certain things more risque. Uh, like yeah. if someone is going to do a schoolboy and roll up the tights like El Fantasma likes to do from some sometimes, the crowd gets a bit more of a show. So uh, yeah. I got to be careful. I, I like the idea though, Red, that if the short boys make you aerodynamic, would that, would that mean that Tai Chi's like Sonic the Hedgehog at this point? Like, <laughs> it's like that, that's where my mind goes, Robbie. Don't worry. Uh, I am definitely wearing short boys next marathon. I do. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robbie. I think it's uh, we got time for the second rope. Uh, now, Rob, I've always been really curious as a wrestling fan. How does a wrestler actually come up? with the names for their moves because and that's something that i've always wanted to ask a wrestler and i actually have the chance to ask someone like what is the meaning or the reasoning behind it or is it something that you thought about of the air or is it just something that just made perfect sense i think it comes and goes depending on the wrestler and the person some people just won't make a name for it and it just is what it is like if there's 
the three handled moss covered credenza if that's what it is they won't change it it is what it is but some people like to put their own spin on it so that if you see this thing it's kind of you know it as their signature version of that move um the ron miller special was easy for me because i was going back to my roots and that submission hold was actually one of my first finishing moves that i had in pro wrestling um, it was taught to me by Ryan Eagles, who was one of my, my coaches and brought me up in the business. Um, so we would often have tag team matches where we would both apply it and it didn't have a name. It was just the reverse figure four. So when I started using it again, around 2017, I was like, I really wanted to, um, and this is part of my, you know, bigger picture thing is like, I wanted to pay homage to the guy that basically invented that, that hold. And he was a pioneer for our country. So it was easy for me to just put those things together and, you know, it's, it's, it's been on t-shirts. It's something that people on commentary, no matter if they're seeing my match for the first time or what have you, they know what the Ron Miller special is. Um, everything else, I think it's just kind of like, you know, it's like when you play a video game and you load up the move set for, for Ryu and street fighter and you look up the Hadouken, you go, why is it called the Hadouken? I don't know. It's just his move. And that's what he does. Mm. It's kind of like what we do. It's like, you then go, well, this is my move. What do I want to call it? I want it to be whatever I like it to be. And then if people follow along and like that name, then let's go. But I think there also is a descriptive factor involved as well. Like I call the 450, the warp 4.5 because I'm a fan of the bloody beetroots and because it's kind of still playing off that 450 kind of analogy. So um, that's me kind of just meshing things that I like together with the actual description of the move. Um, Otherwise, sometimes they're just really stupid. Um, I, I, I'll say his name because it's funny. Uh, One of the backyard wrestlers that did have a spill in pro wrestling during the pandemic over the last year or so, uh, CJ Phoenix, had a move called Hot Sauce in the Dick Hole. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like red fishing. And it wasn't wasn't anything like it sounds. So, Uh, Well, it's not literal, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But tell me why he named it that i've asked him and he's never given me a straight answer so So there was no spitting there was no spitting involved with that (laughs) (laughs) not intentional anyway (laughs) uh it is interesting though just to uh that bit about you're saying like you know sometimes it's it's this but it's it's often informed by who what you like and you're mashing things together we are also fond of mashing things together here at the show but the idea of like that romula special that that concept of that's so tied to you as a as the wrestler right like the idea of again carrying legacy with you as you move forward mm. so it's like there's there's you know for every for every uh hot sauce in the dick hole there is a there is a <laughs> meaningful like name that ties to something bigger and tells something about the person like so i think that's really that's a really key aspect that you've carried that on i think it helps for new fans to get what who you are i think in mm. a lot of respects you know so it's also about branding too, I guess. Like we yeah. as a pro wrestler, especially when you're coming up as an independent wrestler, you're your own brand. So you're building yourself as a brand. So your nickname, uh, your moves, like all that sort of stuff, the factions, the teams that you're in, all that mm. stuff has to have like a cohesive kind of feel. Otherwise people can't really remember you because everything's just all over the place. Whereas if it all kind of comes together, that's why like, you know, the Sniper of the Skies thing was just something that just happened. It was just like a a moniker that was bestowed upon me by me and my peers. And it just made sense at the time. And it was right at the time that I was coming up to my first Will Ospreay match. And I was like, well, he's the aerial assassin. That's what he was going by. 
back then. And I was like, so what, like if people are comparing me as an opponent for him and as someone that's on his caliber from Australia, what would I be? And then I always had like this, like guns and emblems like that on my, on my gear. So it just made sense to go with the sniper of the skies. I dig that. Actually, it's funny. Uh, speaking of the uh, the Dax, just before, real quickly, I'll just ask the third question. We'll hit the third rope. Uh, just so now that you have the the tights, the really small Dax, how long until we see you move up into the heavies? Well, I did kind of float the idea out there of open weight. Yeah, Robbie, open weight. I, I don't that. think you could ever see me in the heavies. I don't think anyone would ever want to see me in the heavies. Oh, yes. Yes, we all would, mate. <laughs> I, I'm happy I'm happy to wrestle as a junior against the heavyweight wrestlers. Yeah. But I just feel like putting the size and weight on that I would need to actually be a heavyweight would slow me down too much and make my movements a little bit harder to make in the ring. Yep. So I usually, as stupid as, as stupid as it may sound, I'm usually more in a cutting phase more often than not because i'm always trying to get leaner so that i can be quicker or more agile rather than be bulkier and stronger just because i feel like that's where i've always done best with my agility and speed in the ring so yeah being a heavyweight not really something i have in an, as an aspiration but wrestling the heavyweights i'm all for it so that that tv title then that yeah. might be an interesting little space mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if i if i hadn't left the country so quickly after being at declaration of power, I would have loved to have been in consideration for that tournament, but because of the way my schedule was lined up, I was already committed to the PWA LFG tour that was taking a place across Australia. I went and did my spill in Japan, came back and then jumped right back on the tour here. And that's what kept me away from that TV title tournament. That Casio belt would look good around your waist. I reckon Robbie. I sure would be able to tell the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I like the idea of open weight, Robbie, because I feel like after um, uh, the showdown tour in Australia a while back and that series with Osprey, that there's a, a, a story there that needs to continue. And because both of you are in very different places to what you were back then, that would be a, a feud I'd like to see continue and uh, happen again soon. So open weight could be fun for that. Imagine, imagine that, Dave, on a Tamashi event. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know. I'm just putting it out there, you know. Yeah, just throw it out there. Look, yeah, you heard it here first. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and look at ELP running from you, Robbie. ELP is running from you now. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that earlier, and I reckon he went. He was so distraught, tapping out to me, and then went and looked and remembered that I won both the 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 junior heavyweight and the junior tag title, specifically the singles belt. He hasn't even come close to that. So he just went, fuck this. I don't want to have to deal with Robbie's shit anymore. And, you know. He literally crawled into the heavyweight division after that match. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but if open weight takes me back to an ELP match, I'm all for that as well. Because, you know, if I get another opportunity at tapping him out again, oh, salivating at the idea. Yeah, just wear a cup. <laughs> just make sure those short boys have got a cup inbuilt, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure how much space I've got to play with <laughs> yeah. that, but we'll the side there, just be, we'll, we'll see. We'll know if you're wearing one, Rob. Don't worry, we'll see. <laughs> uh yeah it's it's uh is that that's the three ropes red that was the three ropes yeah the the third rope actually was on the fly thanks to the dax oh yeah brilliantly brilliantly yeah. lucky the dax aren't on the fly that would be <laughs> a bad time there's not a fly on the dax what is what's happening here? Um, 
And don't worry, Robbie, that's the last time you'll ever have to run the ropes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bane of my existence is over. R- Robbie, how much do you know about French cinema and its relation <laughs> to wrestling? <laughs> look, look, I... I like the bit where you talked about mashing things up because I think yeah. that... Have you uh, seen The Colour of Money recently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like the idea of like what we... I just think it's interesting with you here, like you, like you were saying before about you want each wrestler to showcase their own individual thing, right? Like that's not to try to... And I've, I've always found that to be the thing I really appreciate about New Japan is that it's a space for, I think, wrestlers to show out who they are in a lot of respects, like you're not having necessarily sacrifice who you are, which is why it was so interesting when you sort of came up through the Bullet Club. It was like, it was, it just didn't feel, it didn't sit right with, it didn't feel like it was the right fit for you as who you are and what you do. And so it was a logical conclusion where you ended up. Um, I'm interested, you, you talked about it before about New Japan being, you're able to, be live in Australia and you're able to go and do your tours. Is that something that you think that other wrestlers gravitate towards that, that sort of ability to, to continue who they are and not have it to sacrifice um, that for the search for, you know, whatever this international claim is. I think now more than ever, definitely uh, with the way that the world's been shaped. And, you know, I think the pandemic made a lot of people have that reality check on what parts of their life they're really uh, like they really enjoy and what parts that they they cherish on a day-to-day basis and kind of they retrospectively looked at everything and went, oh shit, I actually do have it pretty good. Like I don't want to do a major change. And obviously there was others that were like, no, this is still my goal and aspiration. I want to get out of here. For example, the former Matty Wahlberg, now Grayson Waller in NXT. Um, he always had his eyes set on that goal. And good for him. You know, I helped train him and I was there for his his whole journey. And to see him get to where he wanted to go, I'm, I'm very, very proud of him. And I'm happy for all the success that he's getting now because he's doing amazing things over there. But that's where he and I, as much as we were very much the same, we were very different in the sense of he wanted to leave and make a new life in the States. That's never been what I've wanted. So I think me doing it has shown uh, especially the people that are close to me, whether it's in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, whatever state of Australia, but like all these people that I interact with in the local scene of wrestling here, they've all then gone, oh shit, Robbie's doing this thing where he's not just, you know, got the job and said, see you later. And we never see him again. He's literally coming back every couple of weeks and we get to see him again and share the experience. So I think that definitely made people go, it's possible to make a living in wrestling, but do it differently to how we've always known it. Because before that it was only, you know, it was WWE or bust. That was pretty much your only option. And, you know, I did a tryout for the WWE in 2014 and that's the one that the Iconics got signed at. So, um, you know, I've, I've been there for so many different journeys as part of this whole thing. And, you know, I look back at that weekend and it was a nice experience and it was cool to do amongst, you know, 40 of my peers in this country. The best of the best were literally at that tryout. But, you know, I never had the aspirations of, I want them to sign me. I want to move my life over there because I've built something here. And uh, as well as my life outside of wrestling, the life in wrestling, like that's pretty much been my my maturity like my growing up, I I started wrestling when I was 18. So I'm 32 now, almost 33. And I've been wrestling like that entire time. And that's really shaped the man that I am, 
pro wrestling has given me the ability to buy the house that I live in with my wife now, um, like strictly off pro wrestling, like, which is crazy. It never would have been a thought that I could do that. And especially with the Sydney market, cause it's fucking bullshit. Uh, but, <laughs> not just Sydney, but don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> our country Sydney. as a whole is getting cooked. Yeah. Uh, unless you want to move to Perth, but like it's really far away. So <laughs> I did consider it for a minute, but it's really far away. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I hope that I've shown that there is a pathway to make it in another meme. And I know for certain people that I get to hang out with and train with, there are people that have built a life for themselves that they wouldn't want to just go, even if they commit to wrestling full-time and become a full-time wrestler, they wouldn't stop living that lifestyle. They would still live it the way that they're currently living. It's just, they would now be able to commit themselves more to their passion and potentially, you know, make more money than they're making in like their shoot job or um, make the life that they have outside of wrestling even greater by achieving that that goal and dream of being a full-time wrestler but they would still have those other passions and those other loves in their life so yeah i think i think now more than ever it's more prevalent that people are willing to go i don't want to just take the first thing that's handed to me what are my other options and what's the best thing for me and people are now making informed decisions rather than just going i just need a contract it doesn't fucking matter where yeah do you think that's just do you think that's unique to New Japan, though, in the respect that we've, what we saw was strong, obviously, with the pandemic, but almost catering to knowing where, like, with Strong was like those American wrestlers, the US-based wrestlers, and making sure they had a platform whilst they weren't able to get over there. And as opposed to saying this sort of prescriptive, you have to come here and work here to be considered a part of the New Japan system, that they're being more accommodating with places that already exist in that respect sort of respecting the current space as opposed to just saying well we're doing it this way yeah i think it was the smartest way to go about it um because it actually like like you've already mentioned it made guys it made fred rosser it made tom lawler it put them onto the radar for like new japan in japan Mm. um even for guys like jonah his first appearance for new japan was at strong i think it was at battle in the valley um i remember watching it i was actually watching it at the new japan dojo and i went oh shit because i didn't know (laughs) it was happening like he didn't he didn't lead anything on um and we we were chatting literally hours before that so it was like really surprising for me to see him do that um it's 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 really cool that new japan as a company provided that platform with strong um in those situations otherwise i think it's less that you wouldn't have only seen those guys unless they came to japan but you might have forgotten about some people that didn't have the ability to go back to japan Mm. like some of us did um so i think it was good for the talent to not only stay active but to stay relevant in the universe that is new japan as a whole Uh, anything that's adjacent it's all it's all involved between rev pro New Japan strong, uh, even CMLL to a degree um, and ring ring of honor when they were a partner too. Like that was all part of it. Um, So yeah, I think they were very fortunate in the States to have those platforms. Whereas, you know, we were, we were doing those closed set shows in Australia, but they Mm. definitely didn't have the same viewership that that strong was. But now there's the potential for that to happen, right? That's the exciting part. It's the whole thing is so exciting you're kind of in a position where you get to be a true pioneer of what's possible, right? So 
you can do the new Japan thing and still, you don't have to live in the States 11 months of the year or whatever you can. I mean, it's not that far to fly. You can come back and forth. So you can show guys that are young coming up that, Hey, you can make a professional living out of it. You can still build the base here in Australia and New Zealand and then still be on the big shows in Japan. I think that that creates this kind of pathway and that never existed before. Yeah. And we've got to be in like one of the best geographical locations in terms of getting talent to Japan. It's one of the shortest routes from like the Western world, I guess, Mm -hmm. to get there. So, you know, for me, the nine to 10 hours I sit on the flight is pretty bad now. I'm fairly over it. It's not, it's not fun anymore. It's not exciting anymore. Um, Especially, you know, when I did declaration of power, I was in the country for two days. So I spent almost the equal amount of time or close to half the time flying back and forth. Um, so sometimes that's a little bit painful when it's a shorter trip, but then it's also like, you know, I was barely away from my home and my wife and my dogs. So it was like a cool thing for me from like a personal level to be uh, versus like the seven months I spent abroad, which was, you know, very painstaking on the heart in terms of missing Christmas and new years. And just, you know, I lived in my house that I bought for three weeks and then lived in Japan for seven months. So I spent at that point in time, I spent way more time at like hotels in the dojo than I did in this brand new home that I just purchased. And I was like, oh, I would have liked to have done more things with that place. But do you um, look do you look now though, Robbie, and you look and say, well, at the time, obviously that's tough. And like, I can't, especially during that time, we all, I don't think anyone wants to go back to that time, but we can empathize with that. But you look at where this Tamashi thing is now, it's like you were proving that that was possible that there was talent here that there was a commitment to new japan i think that's a big part like i remember saying like you demonstrated a commitment to the place and it feels like new japan has this thing where if you commit to them they'll commit to you and it's like and because you're like the flag bearer for australia it's like that commitment has followed through where it's like well if robbie's from there then surely there's got to be other people like robbie right like that has to be part of the thinking um, and there's no one like there's no other people putting flags in down here. Well, let's do it. And as I said, for people that are interested in this space, interested in um, like as I said, as New Japan pro wrestling fans from Australia, we are. It's in our best interest, in my opinion, to want to see Australians make their way through to that space because there's going to be not only is it great for the scene, it's incredible for the scene, but the ability to relate to these characters and to be able to connect and understand who they are. Like I said, when you drop, when you said, fuck it, I'm like, bring that, (laughs) bring that to Japan all the time. I'm telling you, the Australian audience would just be like, we get it because it's, it's demonstrating our culture, right? Like it's getting it across (laughs) there so that people understand who we are um, and understand. And for Australian fans to be able to say, yeah, that's, that's our guy, you know, that's, and to have multiple. And I think that's really important is to be able to make a decision because Jonah's not, an Australian Jonah's Jonah, right? Yeah. Like he represents Australia, but he is, he's his own thing. And to be able to be on that level where people don't necessarily just equate us with a nationality, our nationalities informs who we are, but people go, that guy's the best, one of the best in the world. You know, like that's the idea. I think that's what I look at Tamashi. And I'm, I'm excited to see that first or set, like find that person that I can be like, yeah, that's the person that I think could be that. And just to be able to follow that. I think for fans that, considering going to this show like if you haven't got a ticket to go that would be to me the the biggest selling point that and kenta's going to be kicking 
people like that those things are <laughs> yes cancer is going to be there uh little cave there his little headband uh and hopefully some books but like that idea of yes you're going to see the top some top guys jeff cobb you know like you're going to see these guys but you could be like the japanese audience get that ability to see uh like a yuya or a shoda or a fujita like they get to see the young boys and invest into them and they they connect to them and to be able to have that for us down here i think would just be next level in terms of growing that connection to new japan as a brand you know i agree i agree wholeheartedly and i before the pandemic we we had a lot of local australian events especially across melbourne and sydney that were having international fans flying out to be a part of the live events from the uk i know there was one or two from japan once upon a time uh from the states so i'd love to get to a point where if we're running new japan tamashi on a whatever regular basis it's happening but we're getting japanese new japan fans coming to australia to sit in the crowd for new japan tamashi that'll kind of be like the ultimate okay what we're doing is working because they want to travel from where they could just go you know a couple of minutes away from home to corican hall if they live that close to taking a 10-hour flight to be a part of some big elaborate tamashi event on the level of things like Royal Quest and Battle in the Valley and the MSG show. Because it'll have uh, its own identity, right? Like it'll have yes. its own thing that they'll want to be like, that's different. It's like it, but it's different. And I want to be a part of it. Yeah, that sounds... All you yeah. need to do is bring Deathmatch Despy and they'll all come. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I uh, I uh, kind of stepped into that Deathmatch realm right before going to CMLL with Crackerjack in Melbourne. So, uh, you know, if, if Despy wants to do some, yeah. some oh, damage here in Australia, oh, let's go. Conspiracy booking, I love it. Yeah, we can get death, long, at a Bunnings, right? At a Bunnings, we yeah, can, we yeah, go full circle. If there's a full circle, if like, it has or, yeah, Bunnings brawl or something, I don't know. <laughs> probably something better than that for the. They can sponsor the event. Like I know when Despy was wrestling Mox, he went to like a Home Depot. So like, it's just go to a Bunnings. You'll be introduced to a Bunnings. Cool. Grab your stuff he needs. Get to the get to the matches. Yeah, like that's the thing. The freaks will come out for those type of things. I I just like the idea if it's an identity that when. So Despy can do that when he goes to the strong of the US space because it's a it's like New Japan, but it's a little different. So he's he's got the capacity to do that. I'm really curious to what eventually Tamashi becomes that people what that will be, what style that will be. Um and yeah, we get to see it start, I guess, and, and see who's gonna make it that thing. So no pressure, Robbie, to make it in identity or anything. <laughs> well, that's know. the I think that's been the good thing about Australian wrestling as a whole and being a part of it. I've seen it kind of evolve through the years, but it really has its own identity. Mm. Like the uh the the technical aspect, the action, the comedic aspect, especially, it's so different to what you get in other parts of the world. You don't get the same antics you get in these other, you know, I guess hotbed countries of pro wrestling, you get something that is specifically Australian. Nice sarcasm there, like a yeah. nice hinge, of sarcasm, just very oh, yeah. Aussie. If yeah. you if you've ever watched a big fudge match, you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about because that motherfucker is the funniest Australian masked luchador I've ever met, and I'm very proud of him. But yeah, like I think people when they tune into Tamashi or come in person uh, will see how unique it is to everything else, especially in that new Japan circle. And, you know, I'm going to be incredibly proud of everyone that's a part of it over these, these two events in November. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it's hard to not get choked up knowing that it's actually happening. Um, it's something that since Southern showdown, since the fallout tour in 2018, that I've wanted 
and especially since seeing strong become its own thing um i'm like fuck why can't we have that here and you know now it's starting so we all just need to get behind it and get behind our guys and then just choose just choose a guy and hell who knows you know in the future i'd love to see something that they're doing similar because we haven't spoken about this yet and i just want to raise the point while i've got the opportunity and the platform with you guys is I'd love to see what they've done with Strong recently and have some stardom representation here yes. at Tamashi yeah. because our girls are so fucking good. And I know because I've wrestled some of them firsthand, <laughs> even recently. Uh, someone like Jessica Troy yeah, wrestling, yeah. say, Mayu Iwatani would be a dream match for me to watch. I'd be glued to the monitor backstage, just the fact that that's happening. And, you know, I'd love to see it. Or Shuri wrestling delta like shit like that would be nuts so i mean there's there's countless opportunities for those those things to happen and with the bushy road uh relationship i think it's a possibility it's just whether again logistics timing yeah um and all that stuff lines up but i think that's definitely something that we could take an opportunity on to kind of follow in the footsteps of strong but also create our own legacy with not just the men, but the women as well, if that's a possibility. Yep. And again, that that shorter time frame, that ability to get back and forth a bit easier, that could make that some of the logistical issues that have happened with stardom and, and visas and all that sort of stuff could be potentially a bit easier here. Yeah. yeah. I remember being on a on a show with Tony Storm in Queensland, like a week before she did her first tour of Japan, way before yeah. stardom. And she was like, 18 or 19 years old. It was crazy. Yeah. About 10 years in the business at that point. Like, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I remember seeing her when she was 15 and I was like, Oh, you're four years in how the fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny just to, to sort of wrap it up there, Rob, it's like the idea, like there's so many, there's so many daddies in new Japan at the moment, but it's, it sounds like you're like a proud dad. Like you've got all these kids that are like, look at them all, look at them all my kids coming through. And like, you just get to sit back and, uh, you still get to get it's new japan so the new japan dads are still in the ring right but like it is cool to see that it's such a like that it's got to be surreal yeah it's like, funny you pick up on that dad energy because i i cop that a lot from the younger wrestlers in pwa as like i guess like i would look at it like i'm a leader to some aspects i'm a coach obviously at the at the pro wrestling academy but apparently i just come in with big dad energy no that's it Robbie eagles whole. big BDE Robbie Eagles. Is that right? Oh, hey? Okay. Yeah. Good to know. No copyright with BDE from Melbourne. <laughs> no, Different I'm, BDE. I'm, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's like the young boys are out. Just get BDE on the back of them. That'll be fine. I was uh, going to say short pants, big dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know me well, Red. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I actually, it's funny. I thought of some uh, funny things to say. Uh, but I, I won't say them. Uh, so thank you so much, Rob, for joining us, mate. Uh, it is now time for you to go and Tim Tam Smashy. Uh, Aussie joke for everyone out there who doesn't know. <laughs> Is that a joke? Was that a joke, Rich? That was a joke. Tim oh, Tam Smashy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes, yes. Tim Tams, right? There we go. That's, that was more a rhyming pun. Uh, just, just do us a favor, Rob. When we actually see you live in, in Sydney, can you just jump onto the top rope when you're about to hit a move and just do the RVD, but just go, <laughs> hot sauce in the dick hole. Hot sauce in the dick hole. Beautiful. And yeah. we'll know that's for us. You've instantly made this my favorite interview I've ever done. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, that's Very it. Great. Yeah, Red can do that. Well, enough, Rob, this is actually our favorite interview we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, it's our only one, but it's definitely I was going our to say. favorite. <laughs> You go to number one. It's like, and let's let's not be a strange Rob. If you if you know, come Wrestle Kingdom season, I'm sure 
hopefully you're involved in some respect or in in the future especially leading up to the best of super juniors for sure we'd love to have a chat about the prospects and, and sort of go into yourself and where you're going um and maybe there'll be tamashi events before then who knows but uh, yeah we like i said we really appreciate the uh like we are now like you're like uh weird sons from like way over there like we're like <laughs> Because you've adopted us and you've like given us a bit of an opportunity to be like, like we're all in this together as Australian pro wrestling fans and, and especially in the New Japan sort of, we, we say we're niche of niche of niche, you know, like we're a New Japan pro wrestling show with three Australians talking about characters and stories. Like it's not necessarily, uh, but we're, we're growing and we understand that having you like do this, it means like it's, it's a massive thing for us. So we really do appreciate your time and Very coming on and. Yeah, thanks for talking. No, I uh, I appreciate you guys being so open to the idea and uh, obviously doing the podcast as a whole um, as someone that does listen and as someone that, you know, is a part of what you do cover. Uh, you know, New Japan is still a niche in Australia as a whole, uh, especially when it comes to the wrestling demographic. You kind of have WWE and AEW at the top of everyone's minds because they're the, the major leagues, I guess, to a lot of people. But New Japan's on that level, if not greater than sometimes. And uh, it's just not seen by the masses because it's not on a cable network television or whatever it is. But the more you guys keep telling people that it's on prime time for us Aussies, the more people that listen, the more people that join. If I help expand that listenership by any means, I'm all for it because it all helps everyone in the long run. It's all about paying it forward and making the industry, especially as Australians, better than it was when we started. So, you know, if, if I leave any legacy behind, I just want people to go, Robbie helped us make it better than it was when he started so that we have more opportunities and it's easier for us to do this. So ultimately that's, that's what I want to do. So I know I just thank you guys very much for having me on. That's very, very beautiful and poignant. Very grateful for the Robbie rub, Robbie. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And now Dave ruined it with the Robbie rub, uh, but we, we appreciate it. We know it's going to come. So thanks. Thanks, mate. It's really, really great. And Robbie, can you win the Super Juniors next year? Because I'm going to draft you first. <laughs> okay. So you'll you'll draft me first and I'll see all three of you guys at Budokan or Ryo Goku or wherever yeah. the finals are, right? Because the borders are opening up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah of course. Let's, of course. Let's do it's, it. a deal. It's, it's a deal. deal. It's, it's a deal. Done. Done. If you guys are there, I guarantee a win. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, then. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Shit, strike that from the record. Strike <laughs> yeah. that from the record. <laughs> yeah, people just, that's good because they'll be looking out for us. All the fans will be looking out in the crowd looking to see, are they there? <laughs> or are they gone? Yeah. Awesome. Or RVD. Oh. <laughs> wow, we've, we're, we're rubbing off on you now. Like the, the, the terrible puns of now just... They're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Robbie Rub. That's the next T-shirt coming out soon. Yeah, awesome. that's great. That's fine. We'll, you know. We're, we're happy. We, we, we pay it forward too, Robbie. We pay it forward too. Appreciate you guys. Awesome. Right. Cheers, man. Thanks, Robbie.